everybody. Welcome into the I Want to Know podcast. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and I'm the one leading you on this inquisitive departure into audio wisdom. On the show today, I have Liana Carrera. But first, before I get into all of that, I want to thank you guys for listening, for telling your friend about the show. There's no advertising budget. We're poor as hell over here. So thank you so much. Keep spreading the word, IWantToKnowShow.com. And do not forget, every time I have a guest, go to the website, click on the guests section. You'll find everything we talked about, their, their websites, their books, whatever it may be, links, everything you need to know is always on the guest section of IWantToKnowShow.com. So do not forget to check that out. Okay, enough about me, enough about the show. Today, I'm being joined by Liana Carrera. Uh, the short story on her is that she's a comedian. But she's also writer, singer, actor, and so much more. Oh, and she grew up as the gay kid of a Southern Baptist minister, and her mom and brother are both deaf. Now, growing up in my family, like, you had to have a sense of humor, which is really great. Like, I appreciate that. Like, like my, from an early age, like, my dad taught me how to play pranks on my mother, right? Like, so, so, like, my mom would be vacuuming, and every time she would vacuum, my dad would get really excited because he'd be like, Liana! Come here, come here, come here, come here. And I would like run up to him and he would, he would be like, come here, and he would be by the plug. And he would, he would be like, your mother's vacuuming, come here. And so he would take the plug and unplug it. And my mother wouldn't know, so she would just keep on vacuuming. Diana, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I do have to correct one thing, though. Okay. You said I was a singer. Nobody wants to hear me sing. That's anyway. not what I've heard. I've been <laughs> told that oh, you're quite the singer. <laughs> oh, man. Not, okay. Uh, I'm just now remembering uh, why you heard that. Yes. <laughs> from, your, from your girlfriend, yes. who I sang an acapella with in college. Right. Um, no, that was a one-off. <laughs> I, I was pulling up your official bio as, you know, I'm getting ready for the show. I'm pulling up questions and stuff. And I said, is there anything I should know about her that uh, is not on her normal bio that people see on the web? She's like, well, we sang together. I said, oh, oh. She's like, I don't know if you're allowed to bring that up, though. I was like, well, we'll find out the hard way. We will just throw that in there. Yeah, well, I had a, um, uh, I did a really, really great cover of Mariah Carey's 12 Days of, Chris- uh, 12 Days of Christmas. All I Want for Christmas oh, is yeah. You. And um, about ruined that song. So um, no, I've I've since retired. I started. I sang for one year, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of it. And then now you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> Can't be that bad. She didn't say like, oh, she was an awful singer. Oh, uh, she's pretty judgy. Yeah, she is pretty judgy. Yeah. Actually, um, I would just be like, all I want for Christmas <laughs> is you, and then all the other girls would be like, ooh, baby. So like, that's it. See how terrible that was. That wasn't horrible at all. That was terrible. Was much I, better than my actually, rendition. Buy my record uh, on the website. I'm going to make one real quick for yeah. the end of the show and sell Do it. it. <laughs> we should make a ringtone of you singing. That'd be great. Everyone's phone just starts blowing up. It's you singing All I Want for Christmas. All year round. That'd be great. You're at the mall. You're like, what the fuck? Is that me? What the hell? Is somebody getting a call? That'd be amazing. Uh, also comedy, which would be appropriate, well, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, thanks for uh, thanks for coming out today. Thanks for, for joining and, and making the trek across L.A. Y- yeah. Which people who aren't from L.A. are like, what's wrong? It's just across L.A. No way. It's like three days over here. It is. Yeah. So uh, a background like yours. Yeah. How thanks d- for playing that, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the first clip I ever heard of you. Or, you know, the girlfriend showed me like, oh, what? This is who she is. I was like, 
that's effing hilarious. Yeah. Like how that that's so good. Well, even that even that clip that you played. Um, so my mom is deaf, and um, I grew up. Uh, my family grew up fostering children. So we ha- I had a f- couple foster uh, deaf foster brothers as well. Okay. And so um, it's hilarious. You know, obviously a lot of comedy um, I draw from that. But actually, that clip you played um, is a joke that I don't tell often. But when I do tell it, um, it's never the first thing people hear. Actually, and this might be weird. This is sort of a journey into the mind of a comedian and how we put together our sets and stuff. Right. But that I've had reactions for, to that joke from everything like um, just a bunch of people being like, oh, <laughs> uh, oh, and then and to the people just dying laughing right. and i noticed that it really had a lot to do with where i put it in the set okay so i would never walk on stage and be like hey everybody i have a deaf mom want to hear a joke about deaf people and then just <laughs> say it, it because they will not trust me enough to laugh at it you know you'd, you if i haven't built enough um rapport or right. um trust up with the audience they just think you know who am i like making fun of a deaf person like screw off like right. is it okay for us to laugh you know even if they think it's funny you have to show your credentials first. credentials i gotta be like look i got these deaf people back here right. They raised me. I can totally make fun of them. Uh, but, and, but then again, it's not making fun of them. I, I try to empower power deaf people. As well. But anyway, moving on. But anyway, the point is, it literally is 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 the difference is the difference between say, saying that joke first and saying that joke like maybe in the middle of the show. Yeah, I mean, it's night and day the reaction. Well, so, and even on your your comedy reel, like it's the very last joke. Yes. It's like, you, yes. Even in your like one or two minute sizzle reel, it's like, I still got to warm these people up yes. to my potentially offensive joke. Yes, but you just, you went for it. You're like, hey, people who never heard of Leanna. Let's I just rolled get- over laughing. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, that is effing great. Yeah. And I think that's cool because I think a lot of people, I think, I, I think uh, also it's my job as the comic to overthink and it's just the right. audience's job to react. So I appreciate it. Whoever <laughs>, laughs, I appreciate it. It turns out you're not an asshole. You right. have total permission to laugh. And whoever didn't laugh, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You just don't take life so seriously. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. It's been, it's I don't know. That's interesting. So I'm glad you played that. But yeah, but my, my mom's deaf and um, my brothers, I have two deaf foster brothers, and then my dad uh, is a retired Southern Baptist minister. Mm-hmm. So I was raised uh, <laughs> in a lot of uh, quiet and a lot of Jesus. <laughs> Shouldn't there be like a lot of yelling with all that Jesus too, though? Yeah, but we yeah. were Southern Baptist, and uh, I mean, the Pentecostals they get crazy. You know, right. the, the oils and the flying oh, around yeah. and the snakes <laughs> and stuff. We we don't we don't we never did anything like that. It was just it was my dad was a pastor at, at deaf churches too, so it wasn't just a church. He was a deaf pastor. Wow. Uh, okay. So it was like extra sign language and and craziness. So did, when he was preaching, it was like his sign language like extra, you know. Yeah. Extravagant. Oh, yeah. Was it just like normal, you know? No, he he like really preached for a deaf audience and then he would hand me the microphone from a young age and have me interpret his sermons. (laughs) So I'd be like, and then Jesus said, and I'd be like, you know, four. Right. And and that's sort of like how I got my start in comedy, you know, like I was like (laughs) trying to guess and, and talk and. I don't know. It was a really interesting childhood. The, the 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 probably the funniest thing that I that I can remember when I realized that I wasn't like the other kids. My life experience. Right. Um, <clears throat> it was Easter Sunday, and my mom was dressed up as Mary to like come out and like tell the story of of Jesus is like sure. I guess rising again or whatever. Yeah. And um, the whole and, Easter thing. Yeah, the whole Easter, the whole thing, uh, and uh, zombie Jesus uh, story. <laughs> um, but she 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 went into my room. I was a teenager. She went into my room and she um, 
she t- took the, a CD and I, I guess like she felt that this CD, this particular song had a lot of like bass oh. and for deaf people, like if it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you it's like, wow, like that. So she thought this is a great bass. Right. And so she actually on, I, on Sunday morning, she puts in this CD and it starts to play. And the song that she has chosen to tell this story in sign language, you know, sign song to is yeah. everybody in the club getting tipsy. <laughs> So literally, I'm sitting there and I hear like, I'm really bad at that. Right. Whatever. I'm like, everybody in the club getting tipsy. And she is, she's literally signing like, and I went to the tomb (laughs) (laughs) and I rolled away the stone. Jesus was there. And you know, there was no Jesus and he's alive. He's alive. And I'm just like crying, laughing so hard by this point because nobody knows. They just think it's (laughs) this really great beat. Is anybody in the audience not deaf? Um, sometimes like, I mean, at at that specific, I, I don't remember my, I my, my sister to, and right. my, my my dad and stuff but um yeah it was it was such an absurd moment that we were crying and i think that deaf people thought we were just really moved by the story right. of jesus not being there but we were laughing really hard too so um it was just one of those moments that i was like this isn't real life like this isn't real like people other don't, kids don't do this other kids don't get this experience but my mom is really big and dressing up uh on holidays and i don't know why but like she'll like come down as like dressed like a pilgrim on thanksgiving and i actually um miss i haven't been able to go home for thanksgiving for a while mm-hmm. and they skyped me in and my mom was dressed as a pilgrim <laughs> saying the prayer and i was to my sister i was like um this is why i'm not home for thanksgiving <laughs> like but thank you for the insight into that my parents are still batshit crazy yeah. thanks for making sure i didn't miss this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah this was like a few years ago she still did it that's great when when like how old are you when you realize like this this isn't normal um gosh I would have to say, you know, because your life is your life, right? You 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 don't question it. Like your ra- the way your parents raise right. you, the way you're you're you probably don't realize it. I probably didn't realize it until I was like in maybe in middle school, and that's when I started getting a lot of the other kids like sort of um, being rude. I think in general, oh, middle yeah. schoolers are rude, right. but <laughs> I mean, because yeah, yeah, we were all assholes. Yeah. Um, but it, it that this sort of thing where they would be like, oh, but can your mom drive and stuff like that? And um, I'd be like, well, she can see, you know, she can't right. hear, she can see, so yes. And that I think I might have felt sorry for myself, honestly, for like two seconds. Like I, I was honestly like, okay, I went. I remember, I remember going into the bathroom stall and maybe crying, and then being like what the fuck are you crying about? like who cares like this is a different you, you got a cool mom she happens to be deaf you happen you know what i mean You're, it's gonna be fine so i went out and gave the kid a black eye and i feel really good nice. about it and then that's the last time i ever like honestly felt the need to um uh be angry about right. people being ignorant like and I, I i just accepted it and people are dumb and people are dumb like yeah. so i got that lesson a little earlier right that yeah. people are a little dumb but then it also helped me because i learned how to uh I use comedy from such a young age just to like help people understand the deaf world and deaf culture and stuff. Right. And, uh, and turns out people respond a lot better to say comedy than they do to, you know, black eyes, black eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Although that was pretty funny. That guy deserved it. Yeah. Whoever Doug is in the world. (laughs) Hope you learned your lesson. Doug. Doug's a janitor now at the same school (laughs) for the deaf. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be great. They're just shitting and he's just cleaning it up. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, my life, what happened? Goes around asking people, can you guys drive? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is uh, poor hilarious. Doug. Poor Doug, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> 
So how old were you when you realized you were gay? Uh, the gay thing. I'm gay. Uh, We we briefly brushed over that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's totally cool. Um, I realized I was a lesbian, I think in high school, I was watching the real world Okay, and there was a character on that show named Ruthie and yeah, she was like, um, I guess she was being like sarcastic when she said this to the camera, but it went over my head. I didn't understand sarcasm really that well. <laughs> so she said, like, um, I'm not a lesbian. I just like to make out with my friends. And I was like, I oh, know. that's what I am. <laughs> I, I'm not a lesbian. I just like to make out with my friends. And um, really thought that for like a year. Like, oh, that's I must funny. just let this woman that I'm obsessed with, my best friend right. and I, we make out. Like, that's just how it is. Right. Like, we're just makeout buddies. Exactly. And then, you know, I got asked out by a guy who is so handsome to this day. Right. His name is Bond. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, my God. Hi, Bond. How did um, Bond just not get everybody out? Right? Bond was... The name alone. He, oh, my gosh. The, he was like the George Clooney of the youth group. Nice. Like, Bond, like, he just... <laughs> he Everyone had a crush on Bond. And I remember kind of finally getting my chance with Bond. And I, I could be, like, making this up. Like, I never had a chance. Them and he might right. call in and be like, She never had a chance yeah. with me. What are you talking about? Um, but I had a chance with Bond, and I remember thinking, But do I have a girlfriend? Like, like it would be cheating on this girl I was making out with, right? And that's when I was like, Oh, yeah, a little internal w- struggle, yeah, we're gay, yeah. We're, we're what you call lesbian, right? <laughs> and so I was like, It was just kind of the way I stepped into it, and um. And then I um, came out to my my dad and my my mom and my mom is super religious. Well, and your dad too. He's he is. He minister. is. But I got to tell you, he's he. When I came out to him, yeah. he um he re- he he resigned. Oh uh, really? Yeah. Like he went on his own like spiritual journey. He didn't. He said he didn't resign because I came out. But he said that um, that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for him because the other preachers were telling him. You know, well, right. you have to send your daughter to gay therapy. You have to, um, you Pray know, the gay away. yeah, you know, you, you're a leader. You have to show that you right. can't just accept it when she comes out like, OK, we love her anyway. No, like you. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? So then he was like, you don't understand. Like I sent her to gay therapy. She's going to convert all of them. Like, I mean, because the point back, the point is like. You know, I was a good kid otherwise. Right. And, um, and I was almost like a model, like, Christian kid. Like, I would, like, play, like, I would play, like, church instead of other <laughs> things. Like, I'd flip over the um, garbage basket and I'd, yeah. like, pretend to preach to my stuffed animals. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I just played sports, never got in trouble. Right. And so he was like, what, what am I sending her there for? Like, no. Yeah. So he, he ended up stepping down and um, now is totally supportive. That's awesome. Yeah. He just, he's blown my mind as how he's evolved as well. And it's really taught me that sometimes when you when you just tell the truth, when you can tell your truth to the, the other person, the right. other person has a chance to grow too. Yeah. You, you just think, oh, I'm going to disappoint people. Oh, I'm not who they thought I, th- they thought I was. You know, I'm going to break their hearts. No, well, their hearts will heal and they'll probably be stronger people for it. Um, but my mom, on the other hand, really had a bad reaction. And... Oh. Just bullshit. I mean, she would like, she stayed in bed for like a week. Really? Acting like she was so sick, like heart sick. And you gave I, her cancer. I did. I gave her something. <laughs> and I remember walking in and, and she was just, 
at sort of being spiteful and she was watching the Cosby show, which is funny looking back on it, but she was watching the Cosby show and she was like, look, I just want you to see what a normal family looks like. And I remember looking at her and being like, yeah, all black with two hearing parents. (laughs) And she was like, Oh, like she was like, like, she just like died like even further. Like, no, like, and I was like, bye mom. Like walked out. I just knew that it was her struggle. She gave me separate drinking cups because she didn't want people to catch it in my family. I mean, I don't think she believed a word of it. She was, I think, obviously, I know she didn't believe it. I don't think she believed what she was saying, but I do think that she was trying to make a point very dramatically. Yeah, uh, that, very dramatic. Yeah, and, 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 you know, ironically, I was the teenager, and it right. was my turn to be dramatic, and I was dramatic in other ways, but with my mom, I... I just didn't let her get to me and eventually took her about 10 years. But wow. now she's coming out for Thanksgiving and meeting my partner and I'm 30, I'm 31. So she's going to have to. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a phase. No, <laughs> she, she thought it was. And I was like, mom, you are blind, not deaf. Right. I mean, you are deaf, not blind. You, you have to look at a. My picture for that joke to even resonate anyway, so it's okay that I messed it up. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a butch I'm a butch lesbian. If you can't, those of you who um, who haven't seen me, I just want you to close your eyes and uh, <laughs> I want you to imagine uh, I've got a short haircut, uh, beautiful bushy hair on top of my head, and um, a flannel shirt on, a flannel shirt on with drop crotch pants. Yeah, I look like Justin Bieber's uh, Goodwill clothes that he threw away, and I'm 31. <laughs> And I'm wearing them. Great. Open your eyes because you're probably driving or cooking or something right. equally as dangerous. Very dangerous. Thanks for the stereotypes. <laughs> what? The flan- of people who listen the, to podcasts? The flannel shirts. And- first of all, first of all, I, I don't mean to be a stereotype. This is literally I'm wearing a flannel shirt. I could, yes. <laughs> if I, I could have brought up softball. Right. I could have brought up Subarus, the Indigo Girls rainbows. Don't get me yeah. started on stereotypes. Sandals. The socks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Really? Is that what guys think of lesbians? I shouldn't I be know. asking you. Like, what are guys? Lo- what are your stereotype of lesbians? Am I a stereotype of a lesbian? You know, I guess it depends because if you ask a guy who has his stereotype based off of what he sees in porn, oh yeah, then you're not at all the stereotype. No. You know, it's, oh hell no, it's it's long hot, nails, hot blondes, and yes. big boobs, and, yes. you know, all that stuff. So yes. it depends where uh, they grew up with their lesbians. <laughs> what their idea of, of lesbian is yeah you know out here you know in la it's it's not uncommon every you know and especially if you work in the industry like you know we work in tv and around tv like most of the people you work with are probably gay oh yeah and at least that's what i found <laughs> to be very careful what you say no. uh, <laughs> probably gay it, yeah probably gay and uh, i've i've been so surprised working in this like it's it's probably over 50 percent. it seems like yeah at least in the places i've worked huh. and it's not a thing at all no but all of a sudden you talk to people like oh you work with a lot of gay people like yeah is that different yeah is that weird and you know they come from other southern places or whatever and mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting so that all got spun out of stereotypical lesbian attire but uh so you work with a bunch of lesbians that unload truck, TV trucks, and everything. Yeah, they they all drive uh, <laughs> pallet jacks and forklifts, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, where was I going with that? Don't know. Um, so back to high school and and coming out in high school. Was there problems in high school? I mean, obviously, we talked about your mom being a little yeah, crazy, about kind it. of a jerk. But um, did it did it cause issues? And you know, nowadays it seems like you come out at least out here, like you come out, it's no big deal, like kids are coming out at 12 and it's perfectly normal but i think even yeah i was in high school a little over 10 years ago 
I think even then, had somebody come out in high school as gay, it would have been a little weird. Yeah. Like, it just, it wasn't as normal as it is now. Oh, yeah. I think it's common, too. Um, yeah. You know, I just, um, I, I remember coming out, and I'm sure my my view on it is different from, like, all the other kids' view. Sure. I'd love to, like, talk to my classmates back then and be like, what what were people honestly saying about yeah. me? Um, but um, I was sort of like a, a spitfire, you know? Like, I was like, oh, I'm a lesbian, and... Um, luckily I had a lot more support to my face anyway than mm-hmm. I didn't. <laughs> I really did. Like I had, I was a, a, an athlete and I had the sports teams kind of on my back. I wasn't like sort of like a, a goth kid in the corner with like a, right. you know, with black lipstick and right. you know just like hated with the world. And I wasn't weird, I guess, in any other way, except for that I was a lesbian. So, um, people were like, Oh, people like you can be gay. Okay. Like, and they sort of, I did the morning announcements um, I took two girls to not, not two girls, but for each year I took one girl to prom nice. and um, I was hoping you took two girls. I know I judged a line of women yeah. that I took to prom. Line no, up ladies. They were like, I, I think a, a lot of I, I, my first gay straight alliance meeting that I started was me and like 15 of the most popular, like straight girls, blondes, you know, beautiful, all the guys were dating. And I think they just sort of in their own, own weird way, um, uh, said she's cool, you know what I mean, and mm. and they uh, they accepted it. So I don't have that story where like I was beaten up or right. I mean I, I was called names, but it, it was like everyone jumped on we the person all, that did it. And we were all called names, yeah, part of high school, yeah. And I used to think like, oh man, like someone says Dyke, you know, I, I used to think I better have a really good comeback. Like <laughs> your mom is, you know what I mean? And I was like, I was like, I had all these comebacks, and that's all. I'm so happy to be an adult now because. Uh, someone calls me a dyke now and it happens, you know, right. you, whatever dyke. And I'm like, oh, congratulations. You have eyes. Like, it's not an insult. <laughs> yeah. It's not an insult to me anymore. Whereas right. before it was like, that's the worst thing someone could ever say. Um, so that's cool. It's like, hey, good job, dude with shaved head. So, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Like, good job. You have eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> good job. You have boobs. Yeah. Okay. What are you 12? Can right. we focus on why you're calling me a dyke? Yeah. There's, there's like, deeper issues. Did you that. not get hugged enough <laughs> as a kid or, you're, you know? I don't know. Are you are you hiding something deep down? So, <laughs> yeah. so, so how? I mean, having uh, the the deaf mom and then coming out and hide, I mean, did this just kind of set you up for success when it comes to comedy? I mean, I feel like I didn't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like I. How could you not be a comedian at this? Right. Point? Yeah. And I think I kind of knew that at a young age, but I didn't recognize it. Um, my classmates in high school voted me class clown. Uh, that's was my superlative. Seems about right. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not, what? I didn't think I was like funny or even wanting really. <laughs> yeah. And then in, in college, I, you know, studied political science because I, I, I envisioned a career in politics. You know, I always knew that I would want to lead and make things better for people, but I really thought it was going to be through politics. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was up, I was class president and I was up on the stage and I was just like, it was a fundraiser and I had to kill time because the the judges were off judging whatever performers <laughs> had performed. And I, uh, I started doing a comedy from, uh, Ellen DeGeneres here and now. Okay. And it was just because all the kids had, we had watched it in dorm rooms over and over again. And I just thought I could recite it. And so I literally was up there and was like, what's the deal with Gogurt? We don't got enough time. <laughs> we don't have enough time for regular yogurt. Like I was just Ellen forgot 
some of her stuff. So I started peppering some of my stuff in um, okay. that I had always thought was funny, like since eighth grade, ninth right. grade. And um, people were just dying laughing. And I figured if they didn't laugh, they would just think it was Ellen, right? Ellen's joke. Right. So, um, so yeah. yeah. So the first joke I ever wrote uh, in the f- when I was a kid and the first joke I ever said out loud on stage that was mine was awful. Um, <laughs> and it, it said, I said, I think I got up there and I was like, uh, talking about Ellen, Ellen's joke, blah, blah. And then I said, um, what's the deal with mattress liquidators? <laughs> like anyone's going to want to buy a mattress with the word liquid in the sentence. Like it's terrible. People died laughing because they were like, oh, Ellen, you know, it's so funny. So right. I kind of hid behind that. And that is how I um, that is sort of how I got into uh, comedy was because other people were saying like you're funny and i would tell stories about my mom mm-hmm. like i'd be like my mom i got home from school and i would you know um you know just how i played pranks on her and right. how we f- argued and and i would just tell these stories and that was when i'm sorry i'm kind of going around all around here but that day when i was killing time waiting for the judges that's when my roommate in college came up to me and was like you should be a comedian like that's what your life is set up to do so it took a um so that and then the last thing i remember the push that pushed me towards comedy uh because my life is is like that is i wrote um uh i had to i had to write a speech for communications class in college okay and i stood up there to deliver it and i got a d on it and she wrote stand-up comedy not like not appropriate like, oh. So basically she was like <laughs> and she circled it and she this gave, was not boring enough. Yeah. She gave yeah. me, you know, basically said this is stand up comedy. And I was like, why? And so I just I realized that I was set up perfectly. My personality set up perfectly. And also it's a lot more fun being a comedian than it is to be a politician. Absolutely. Because you get to tell the truth. I mean, I, obviously what's going on right right now with Trump and stuff. Oh, we, yeah. we see that the line is very much blurred between yeah. entertainment and politics. I think that speaks more to the dumbing down of our society, but, um, but you say, wow, I said, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, at that point I thought, you know, this is great to be a comedian because you can be a truth teller and stand up for the little guy. Well, and now talk about Trump, everything that's going on, like the jokes are right in themselves. Yeah. I got to have to work. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, how do you, how do you parody and make fun of real life when real life is the parody at the moment is the comedy at the moment. Right. Like, like on SNL when Alec Baldwin does Trump, he doesn't have to do like a whacked out, you know, zany impression. He just tries to nail it as dead on as possible. And (laughs) it's hilarious because it's already, you know, already that. Um, So you, you, you kind of got encouraged from friends to get into it. Was it like, all right, I'll try a couple open mic nights? Or... Yeah, I got on. I, I do things pretty big, so I got on a plane <laughs> and uh, I flew to L.A. for my spring break, and I got on stage. Uh, I just did comedy on stage for the first time at the Improv. Okay, and it went terribly. <laughs> uh, this was like, gosh, eight, eight or nine years ago now. It went terribly, and uh, basically, I got up there and I said my whole set back to back to back to back to back without a break, without right. breathing, just so fast. Like, oh my god, guys, not gonna believe this. And I'm going to LA, and then I'm here, and then I'm, and I didn't even care if they were laughing. I was like, and then and I, I just like, gotta remember it. All. I didn't, yeah, I remember, I remember. Bye. I literally dropped the mic on the stage and walked <laughs> off. And I got a couple chuckles and a lot of people staring, like, what the hell is that? And um, at the time, at the time, I had a a mentor of mine named Tom. Um, He was in the back and he said, Liana, you got to let him laugh. Like that was like his main thing. So then we went across town uh, to the Laugh Factory. Okay. And then uh, I took a bottle of water with me on stage this time. And I would say a joke. And when they would laugh, 
I would like drink, 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 and then I'd stop, <laughs> which is a really great way to pee. Like all the I was time. Say, so by the time you get off, you're yeah. like dancing. So that went better. That went better. Um, uh, but yeah, but that's sort of my friends incurred. And then so I thought I could do this. And so mm-hmm. uh, I went to, I moved to Chicago after school and I, uh, I performed there. I learned, um, I studied with their comedy studies program and I learned okay. acting for comedy, you know, vocal training for comedy writing for comedy and uh spent time there doing that and then i went on the road for a couple years uh doing stand-up kind of honed it in yeah to sort of hone my my shit really what was interesting was it was easier for me uh to get booked as a new comedian in other countries than it was to get really on the on the circuit here in america interesting yeah so what i would do is um i uh would go to people's websites who were more famous than i was which was everybody and i would see (laughs) where they performed Okay. And then I would email those bookies of those clubs and I emailed everywhere, um, all over the world. Cause I didn't even know you could get to other places in the world doing comedy. I mean, did it matter if the countries spoke English or not? Oh, or? I tried to, they were English speaking. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I got booked in Africa. I got booked in Ireland. That's awesome. Um, and all expenses paid. Right. And they got me out there. I got a little paycheck. Didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> uh, headlined a couple events out there. Um, so I guess the uh, moral of the story is uh, you attack it full force and you pretend like you deserve to be there. Yeah. And then you'll probably have some interesting stories along the way and a little bruise, a couple bruises. But <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then um, then I came back uh, from Africa. I feel like I performed in Africa for two weeks about and I feel like I grew over there as a comedian what I would have grown over here two or three you know, mm-hmm. years on the circuit because they, they have 12 languages in Africa. Jeez. Uh, they have very interesting racial disparities and right. very interesting gay, uh, opinions on lesbians and gays, including, uh, something called, um, corrective rape, <laughs> which I, I, I didn't know. Uh, so this is me going over there pretending to have an agent that booked me at all these clubs <laughs> and I get on stage and I, I now I like, you know, talk about being a lesbian or right. whatever my experiences with it. And, you know, people Cricket. just stop and stare. And then I have people afterwards saying, you're so brave. Why am I brave? Yeah, what did I do? Uh, because no one can laugh because, you know, if they laughed, they would be, people would be like, oh, are they a lesbian? And their lives could be like in danger. And I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so I stayed up all night after my first night in Africa and rewrote my set I to be about like, <laughs> airline food and <laughs> go-gurt. No, I did have one comedian that was like, why don't you just rip off Ellen DeGeneres? Just do her stuff from the nineties. And I'm like, I'm not going to do like, no one's going to know. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. so yeah, you but, would know, but it was fun. It was like boot camp for comedy over there. Like that's crazy. I mean, try not the, to die. Yeah. Did the club owner like come up to you? Like, Hey, by the way, well, I had security and I didn't really know. I just thought it was a hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, look at me, everybody. I got Rolling security uh, in South Africa. Uh, Johannesburg is where I was at. Oh, jeez. And, uh, and yeah, he, he apologized to his credit. He said, I just, I'm trying to bring him like a mainstream comedians here. And I just, I didn't want you to change your act because I didn't want to, I wanted them to see what's going on in other parts of the world. So that kind of sucked. But I also was there, uh, I also got myself in that situation too, so well, it worked out. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I appreciate you trying to open their eyes to other things. <laughs> Just but let me in on it next time. Yeah, <laughs> a heads up would have been fantastic. Um, comedy seems like it's a bit of a boys' club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do, I, do you agree with that? I mean, oh yeah. Um, has that been uh, a struggle for you? Not only are you a female in, in a boys' club world, but you're a lesbian in a boys' club world. Like, does that make it so much harder? Or 
do you just not give a shit or no like i think for sure you have um sort of this white um heterosexual male mm-hmm. like stranglehold on on comedy and in the, and, I, and i think the and the writers rooms um the statistics about how, i think the statistics of how many minorities in general are, are in a writers room is, is dismal like right. 4% or less i don't even think it's i think it's like actually way lower than that um and so i think as a, a like the entire uh culture uh, of 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 show business in hollywood um for on the creative side yeah straight men mm-hmm. um but you're seeing these breakthrough like these series that are breaking through like orange is the new black and transparent and um and just just where uh what what's another one um billy I- billy eichner's uh um casual people no that's not it that's not his anyway the the point uh, what is his show? <laughs> anyway um the point is you're seeing all these minorities sort of step into um step into roles as sort of creatives and mm-hmm. tastemakers and um right now like like it's a really good time to be queer or to be um, a minority in Hollywood mm-hmm. because um, these shows are sort of unexpectedly paved the way they're winning all the all the Emmys they're right. they're sort of what people want to be seeing I don't think networks are as kind to people with offbeat stories right now <laughs> uh, they still are uh, sort of stubbornly sticking to the the laugh tracks and the right. what they do best still dangerous waters for them yes yeah but with all these other outlets now like Netflix and um, and Hulu and just all these streaming devices yeah. via Roku and Apple TV there's a lot more places um, so I think you're going to continue to see people like uh, Aziz and Sorry Master of None mm-hmm. um, you're going to continue to see them and I'm also developing my own my own television show uh, with Wanda Sykes and so it's it's been really interesting because Old Guard has been um opening up ways for for the new guard to come in right. so i think we're in a as a society we're in an interesting point in history between like patriarchy and matriarchy and i think in in a creative sense too we're going to start seeing art reflect life more and i think the feminine gaze and the female gaze and the queer gaze you're gonna start seeing stories told through our lenses and um i think it's just the beginning i think i'm here at like just the right time yeah, that makes sense. Is the the show you develop is that boyish? Yeah. Tell us about boyish. Yeah. So um I um there's still, like you hinted on, very limited opportunities for people who look like me in Hollywood. <laughs> Actually, I, um, the feedback I would get from casting directors is uh, too boyish. My manager would forward it on to me. Hey, sorry, heads up, boyish. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, what am I supposed to do? Grow out my hair? Like, right. am I supposed to pretend to be something I'm not? I've actually gotten that that guidance. Like, I'm going to soften oh, up. Really? Yeah. And I'm not like, I'm not even that butch. Like, if you see me, remember the flat, the close your eyes thing. I'm not like scary. I'm sort no. of like, I'm, I'm sort of like Ellen DeGeneresy, like Butch, there's just sort of like soft Butch is what we call in the community. Okay, so like I'm, I'm not like super, super dikey or Butchy, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you confuse people, you know, Butch for a guy, and they're like, oh, it's got, oh no, it's not. But I don't confuse you to look like a guy at all. Yeah, but I also get, I get that all the time. But anyway, but anyway, the, the point being, I would go to these, um, to these auditions, and for television hosting, they'd say I'm too boyish, and then I would go to these auditions for television. And honestly, the opportunities are few and far between. Right. Yes, we have a few breakthrough shows, but we and every day is far. That might be like less than five percent of what's what's happening right now. Yeah. So I would go on these auditions, and I would see all these women who look like me there, and we would be auditioning 
against each other for parts that were very stereotypical. So we'd be like the extra in a gay bar. We would be <laughs> uh, the jail playing, you know, a jail uh, scene. Uh, one of the one of the inmates. Okay. Uh, we would be, and I'm not talking about developed like Orange Is New Black. That's a completely realized and developed storyline. But like, you know, just be like the butch one that's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you against your will against the bars, <laughs> and nothing you can do about it. Like, not like that, but like, you know, so we. And then, yeah. and then we'd audition for things where we would have no lines in the show. We would just have to go read against each other for a show that they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you don't have lines this season, but next you're in the background, but next season we might give you a line. So I just started Same to get line. really frustrated. I started yeah. to get really frustrated because no one was writing for me. And I felt like there's a lot of talented, my friends are talented people. Mm -hmm. And I thought sort of as a screw you to the establishment <laughs> that I would say, not only am I going to write a show, I'm going to write a show about one butch lesbian i'm gonna write a show about five of us and i'm gonna show and not even butch lesbian but just boyish women right and, and what that means and unpack what that means and so i sort of hope to do what like lena dunham did for people like her like mm -hmm. sort of made unlikable jewish characters as like <laughs> their like new leading lady yeah i'd love to do that for for myself and people who look like me in terms of three-dimensional real storylines about women in their 30s who are failing at life who are still you know who are going through the ups and downs triumphs and failures of 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 what being in your 30s means you know what i mean dating right. love sex uh all of that um and then also doing it through my lens so the character is based on my life so um i am you know uh, a daughter of a deaf woman and I, I my dad is a is a southern baptist minister and right. so i'm able to sort of talk about religion i'm able to talk about deafness and my character mm -hmm. um in a way that's true to me uh so that's cool i also have another series uh, i'm in development with uh with an actor named dickie hartz uh who is uh uh writing uh, he's in he has a development deal with um uh um project Greenlight, uh which is um matt damon and mm -hmm. who's his ben affleck ben affleck's yeah sort of over 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 company mm -hmm. so he's developing a six uh ep series episode a six episode series of um it's called save the world and it's a the first uh deaf super superhero series okay so i'm writing on that as well so it's really interesting so all of a sudden all my background is sort of really zygosty right now <laughs> it's sort of in in yeah. a weird way and all i'm doing is being honest about who i am and my experiences but um people are uh excited about it you're you're the new trend <laughs> that's what i had a meeting with um, the, a big agency in LA and they literally were like your life is so zygosty and they just smiled <laughs> and all these white men and you know beautiful whatever people yeah. smiling at me and uh, I was like wow I'm just I'm just being me you know I've always been me and uh, great I'm glad I'm in <laughs> can we buy your story yeah yeah That's so so That's where fun. where does the main income come from? Is it stand up? Is it writing? Or? Yeah. Well, right now, um, I think like most people in L.A., um, I'm at a point you in work my at Starbucks. No. Oh. I, yeah. Well, that's true, though. I don't work at Starbucks. But I love Starbucks. Um, but uh, yeah, the people who are writing those teleprompter, you know, uh, speeches at the Oscars and the Grammys are, are back to, you know, driving Uber or working right. at Starbucks the next yeah. day. I think there's this I think there's this sort of a romant romantic romanticization Roman, like that. Uh, of Hollywood that we 
um, are all like A-list celebrities and live right. like A-list superstars. And really, it's a hustle till you, till you get there. So I'm still at the point where I'm uh, part-time sign language interpreting. So I do freelance sign language interpreting, okay. uh, which I lucked into, right? Uh, you're supposed to be like super certified and go to school and stuff, but I passed an in-house test and this company like we can use you because you passed <laughs> our standard. Uh, and so um, I just really looked into it. To, to me, it's like the same thing as waiting tables. I know other people find it oddly fascinating Yeah, because uh, I work at a call center actually for the deaf, okay. uh, which is, well, I'll tell you how that works. Yeah, please. Uh, so, um, but I'm 20, I'm 20 hours a week there. And then I'm about 30, 40 hours a week doing comedy, writing comedy. I just wrote a commercial for, for Macy's and, nice. um, doing some advertising. So you, you cobble together. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you can. Everything's freelance. Like there's no yeah. full-time job right. in Hollywood. And in Hollywood, it's kind of the big secret is, is that you don't quit your job, your, your hustle job. If it's flexible and it, you, right. you don't quit it until you have to quit it. Um, there was this story that I read about, um, uh, the, the Ryan, uh, the guy who started in, uh, the notebook. Oh, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. There uh-huh. you go. That he was making subs, you know, took, took a break from making subs to go film the notebook and then did not want to quit his job making subs after he was really? done with the notebook. Because in like, this is some, this is a career where you can get, you can make it, you can make it maybe one time you get like, in other words, you, you get all this money. You may never make money again. Right. So you, you don't quit your hustle job like until you have to until, so it, it's getting to the point in my career where it's encroaching. Mm hmm on my hustle job which is actually great uh but i don't i don't i'm never gonna quit my hustle job because that's what (laughs) gives you your paycheck every two weeks consistently while you do all this other crazy stuff um but anyway back to what it is i work at a call center for the deaf okay um basically what that is is it's it's kind of like skype right so we're all in cubicles which is terrible All the interpreters are in cubicles and that we're on a computer okay and the phone rings just like a skype call might ring ding Mm -hmm. ding 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 we pick it up and we have a headset on. Mm-hmm. So me, the deaf person and the interpreter can see each other just like a Skype, like camera to camera. Okay. And the deaf person says, please go ahead and connect the call. So then you have a headset on and you, you the number pops up and you hit connect for like a three-way call. Okay. So the call goes out and it could be to, to anything. I mean, pizza, ordering a pizza. It could be calling your mom, making a doctor's appointment, whatever it is. And also deaf inmates call out all the time. And those really? are the funniest. Yeah, I love that. That's my favorite thing. Uh, interpreting deaf inmates. I'm like, what's up? Like, I just they feel so I love their stories. Um, but anyway, but so they call and they, I call out and whatever the hearing person says on the third line mm-hmm. out in the world goes into my ear. And then I translate it with my hands, like just signing. And then whatever they sign, I speak into the headset and mm-hmm. it goes out to the person on the phone so i'm sort of the intermediary yeah of the conversation that's so cool yeah it is pretty cool um it ends a phone the phone rings every seven seconds so it can be batshit crazy Jeez. just like any any customer service job and yeah. so that's why i'm like i gotta get out of here as soon as humanly possible <laughs> but i am very glad that the government like provides that it's through yeah. the um ada okay. and fcc regulates it so mm-hmm. i'm super glad the government provides it um it's it's Good technology for deaf people to have. Yeah, it's so cool. It's one of those things like 10 years ago or 15 Didn't years ago. Didn't have it. Couldn't yeah, have that. Nothing. But now with Skype and FaceTime and all that stuff, it's super easy to do. Yes. That, yes. That's so, really cool. It's a good time to be queer in the entertainment business. good time to be deaf in, <laughs> in America. That's right. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. You talk about uh, you know all your signing and your interpreting and stuff. I was asking my girlfriend before you got here, like, what you know, what's things I should know uh, besides singing? And she said, she's just really a good person. I was Aww. like, okay, explain. It's like, well, you know, you do all the interpreting for people, but she was saying that you also um, did some interpreting for Hillary Clinton. 
Yeah. What was that like? Oh, That's so cool. Yeah. That was um, half your audience is like, that doesn't make her a good person. Right. Um, I kind of got. Uh, they just turned it off. Yeah. I kind of got thrown into interpreting for Hillary Clinton. Um, it was a last minute thing. Um, uh, and uh, they just needed a sign language interpreter for an event. And someone knew that I was a mega Hillary Clinton fan. Thanks <laughs> to my Facebook. Uh, thanks to everyone's Facebook. Politics yeah. is really. I can't wait for the election to be over. But right. um, even for my own mental sanity. Um, and then someone just reached out and said, hey, I can't. I can't interpret this. This came through my agency because interpreters have an agency, too. Oh, okay. Uh, that gets us work. Um, and uh, they just said, you should do it. So I rushed over there. And it was one of the saddest things I've ever been a part of because um, it was when she was running against Bernie Sanders and it was just, it was actually, it felt like it was reaching a peak of the divisiveness. Mm -hmm. There was so many protesters outside and just spewing this hateful, crazy things. And it was, it felt like a war zone. There was officers on on uh, horses there was people like throwing you know fake money at you know little girls at us saying hillary clinton is a you know money corporate whore and you know how can you and it was so nasty um i never i didn't actually think it could get any nastier now we're here and i realize (laughs) let's go back yeah Uh, i'd rather have infighting than a civil war right uh you know threatening you know to break out but um but yeah, so that I sort of got on stage there, and I also was standing next to her signing, and I saw things from her perspective for a little bit, and protests kept breaking out and kept breaking out mm. and kept breaking out, and she is not the most nimble person. Right. She, she could use some improv uh, classes, <laughs> um, and so her response was just sort of to yell louder her speech. Oh yeah. And there was such a contrast between her just being like, and we're gonna get health care. And someone's like, rapist! Like, you know, like, why you killed my dad? And like all these things. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, and so it, I was signing going, what is, it felt so um, sad. Yeah. And I felt sad for her because to be that fundamentally misunderstood, right. I felt sad for her because she has to be a robot. She has to be to yeah, survive. Make fun of her for that, to survive, but... and then we want more humanism from her, but we don't yeah. give her the benefit of the doubt or extend that to her. So it made me sad for her, yeah. and it, and and it made me sad for the whole political process. And um, but it was an honor because she's one of my heroes. But I definitely would not say um, that I loved it. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah i I was kind of disillusioned a little bit, but I um. You know, no, nothing she did. It was just the right. whole the whole exchange kind of made me sad. You know, that kind of make you, uh, you know, grow an even bigger respect that she could get up there and do that with all that crap going on. I yeah. Mean, if someone yelled at me, I am a horrible public speaker. If somebody yelled at me in the middle of the speech. I just all right, bye. Yeah, I'm done. Later. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It. It. After I took a couple of weeks off, I kind of um did a detox from everything politics, yeah. and I I came back and was like, wow, I have the luxury to, of doing that, and she does not. And yeah. it, it's only gotten worse with the debates and how Trump has treated her. The second debate, I felt so badly for her, and I think a lot of women recognized the way that he was physically carrying himself on stage and the way that he was berating her. He wasn't just debating; he was berating well, with the, the microphone and and the walking behind her. That yeah, was, that was the one thing that I really that noticed. was like, when just, I just it was got super creepy, really creepy. Like like whoever you like, you know, politically aside, yeah, that's just super creepy. It is creepy, even if you're a Trump supporter. You have to, yeah, you have to, right? But no, he he just yeah. yeah. But I just feel like she has a spine of steel and. Um, she's an inspiration because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. If Hillary Clinton can do that, I can do anything. Like, that's what I tell myself. Like, and it sounds stupid, but like, I really, <laughs> really feel that. Yeah. Like if she can 
stand up to all this pressure in all the and every time she went out to debate Bernie Sanders, if it was in his hometown, she went out there, everything was against her and she delivered a solid performance. And that's how I know she's doing what she was just created to do, what she's made to do, and that we all have that sort of thing. And we right. can do it too. It's so cheesy, but I really believe it. I really do. It's an inspirational part of the show. Inspiration. I guess that's a good time to ask you like who obviously Hillary Clinton, probably Ellen talked about Ellen and, and doing her bit when you're young, like who are some of your role model, role models? I can't talk uh, inspiration, whether it's comedy or life or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, in comedy, especially, um, uh, it would have to, it, I've always been influenced like a by Wanda. Wanda Sykes yeah. is definitely one of my influences. Um, and, um, I love, I love Chris rock. Uh, mm-hmm. the, see, so the thing about like me and my influences, is, you know, my dad being a Southern Baptist minister, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of, um, like mainstream comedies, TV, pop culture. Sure. I only was allowed to like, like watch Christian based movies <laughs> and like go to church. And that's why you probably heard throughout this interview when I'm still referring to pop culture things, I get a little, um, I feel like I'm speaking another language. Yeah. So I'm like, Ryan, what's his name? Yeah. Gosling. Like, so it's like, I have like a handicap a little bit yeah. when it comes to pop culture because the first 18 years of my life were spent underneath this sort of Southern Baptist rock. Watching Kurt Cameron movies. Yeah. God, <laughs> Kurt Cameron wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> um, aging myself now, but, um, but yeah, but my dad, so he would hide things in his room that he could watch, but I couldn't, but okay. I would find them. And he loved the Kings of comedy. That's he funny. loved and living single. It was all these black comedies, um, that he loves, you know, um, just Cedric, the entertainer, Steve Harvey, you know, um, the Wayans brothers, um, all these people. And I would take those DVDs and sneak them in. Or <laughs> see, I'm sorry. They were, t- they were tapes. I would sneak them into my room and I would watch them. And those were my early influences as all sort of the people, um, in those, from those, from that decade and yeah. that, that, those films. Um, and I combine that and I always, always say Southern Baptist ministers are an influence too, because they get up there and they will hook you with a joke. They will like <laughs> make you think, right? you know, make you laugh. And they always end it on something sort of thought provoking. A lot of comedians will end on their like biggest laugh. Right. And I don't tend to do Drop that. Drop the mic. And I, yeah, yeah. I tend to end on something thoughtful. But um, lately that hasn't been true. I, I want that laugh before I leave. But um, <laughs> but when I first started, especially, I thought it'd be cool to leave them thinking than to, to bring down the house with a roaring laughter. Yeah. Um, but now I consider that fortunate and I should always do that <laughs> if possible. <laughs> so are you able to kind of like turn off the funny? Oh yeah. All yeah. the time. Um, the, the most thing, the thing that I get, um, the most, the biggest compliments I get and that I hear often from my friends are you're actually funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I am, um, I think I'm kind of a, an introvert. I know I'm an introvert. Yeah. Um, when I'm around my friends, I'm not seeking to be the loudest or funniest. Right at all um if i'm on if i'm on i'm i'm on but it's usually when i get on stage it's usually a performance like it's a gift to the audience and it's, and it's tiring and i leave and i'm and i'm pretty much ready to collapse when i leave because really? i give it and now i'm not an introvert in the sense that i'm like a butterfly and i prefer to be quiet <laughs> i love engaging people and talking with people about meaningful things um i have a very hard time with just like surface talk to talk yeah uh and so the result is i'm sort of i'm sort of quiet uh and an introvert um but if i get to the funny thing is is my friends will tell you um those i've stayed around long enough to be like why is she being an asshole she's not being an asshole she's an introvert um after it takes about a year or so and then i just come out on my show and then i'll be like totally fine there's a few handful of people in my life that they come in and i'm 
I'm so myself with immediately. Yeah. And I appreciate that. But other than that, I feel like I'm kind of a bad friend. Interesting. <laughs> so do people expect you to be funny just like 24 seven? Uh, people that know you as a comedian? No, 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 they don't. They, they accept me for me and they accept me that I'm sort of like, you know, not going to be on for them. They care that I'm a good person. I think that's good. Um, but I, 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 I don't get expected to be on. No, unless people are asking me to go out on dates or to go out with them after a show. Right. Yeah. Then I'm, yeah. I then they're like, oh my gosh. Like, I remember after I was in Vegas and a group of people came up to me, just, can we take you out? Da, da, da. And I thought, I should, I should go out. I'm in Vegas. Yeah. I'm not going to go back to my hotel room. I should go out. So they took me out to the strip and there was a Playboy bunny dressed up. And I, I really <laughs> wanted a picture with her. Uh, I was doing headstands at all the cities I was performing in and getting pictures for whatever okay. reason. So I wanted to, perf- to do a headstand with them. And um, I, I was like, I, they saw me hesitate and then we passed them and then we passed them again. And I like hesitated again. They're like, why are you so like, why are you so like afraid to approach yeah. them? You were just on stage, you know, uh, owning the microphone. And now you're like all shy and quiet. And so that that's a big I'm not who I am on stage, off that's stage. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, you know, doing comedy across the country or in Africa or whatever, mm-hmm. they think it's like super glamorous. Like, Oh, I'm, you know, this person's famous. They're going from club to club. Yeah. What's it really like? Yeah. It's definitely romanticized. That's yeah. for sure. Um, in my experience, it was airport hotels mm-hmm. and struggling to get your paycheck after, after <laughs> it's done. Um, but yeah, you, you get there, you, you don't get to spend all this time in a city. You get there, you unpack, perform, leave mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's not glamorous you fall asleep by yourself you know what i mean hotel lots of hotels lots yeah. of lots of crappy hotels if you don't know how to negotiate for yourself yet or you're just sort of paying for it yourself and it's included in your in your fee yeah um yeah no it's 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 not glamorous <laughs> is it hard to maintain relationships while you're on the road um i would imagine yeah i would imagine so um yeah I mean, my girlfriend and I broke up when I was on the road all the time, but I don't know if that had to do with comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been my fault uh, for other reasons. Uh, but um, yeah, it does. I think like anything, anything when your partner's away mm. and keep keeping odd hours. Yeah. It's not, not actually making for a good relationship. I'd imagine. <laughs> Is it weird? I, I saw this on some of your YouTube clips. Is it weird having someone sign off to the side of the stage when you're trying to do your set you know what no it's really? not for me but i'm used to it yeah again that's my world right um when i first started doing comedy i got started playing on the american sign language comedy tour that was my first paid gig okay uh so um i uh i went um before i went to africa and all those places i was on the american sign language comedy tour and a guy named keith one very funny comedian himself he does sign language uh comedy for deaf audiences and he was putting together this tour and so i got my st- start sort of in front of all deaf audiences with the lights completely on in like cafeterias with an interpreter right and every situation that would throw most comedians off today if they had to deal with yeah i started i started in that people were quiet they weren't laughing sometimes they would laugh but it's on a delay yeah so i would really have to sort of get used to the silence and not let it like deflate me and really work the crowd in a different way and i think that really helped that's crazy. Yeah. I've heard really cool. um, uh, Corolla talk about he did a show once and there was someone there who was deaf and they brought their own interpreter who just stood off to the stage or side of the stage and was, was doing his whole set. 
And at one point, he just like stopped and started fucking with the interpreter because yeah. he's like, "All right, what you know? How do you say this? You know, like little boy stuff." Yeah. And, yeah. But he's uh, so weird. At the corner of my eye, the entire time I'm trying to tell jokes is somebody over here, you know, sign language. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's just not a thing for me. And I always know. I always actually hate it when people fuck with the interpreter. It's such an easy, easy joke. That's why. Like yeah. you can be like, "Hey, what's sign for pussy? Right. Pussy, <laughs> pussy, pussy." And I, I used to. I I started doing that myself for a little bit, like just yeah. fuck with the interpreter. And I thought, "Nah, I'm not gonna fuck with the interpreter." because i know what it's what the deaf people are thinking and they just want they want unless you're going to include the deaf people in another way don't fuck with the interpreter is what i say yeah like you know like for me like um you know at the last show i was at um there was an interpreter and then the deaf people started signing i'm like hold on the deaf people are heckling me and i was able to go to the (laughs) deaf people and be like what'd you say and then they said what they were saying and i was like okay listen you know motherfucker i'm the one with the microphone like blah 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 so like that was my that's how i think that's the right way to do it so you're not just like reducing them to like pussy sign language right you know but that's also blow yeah but that's also like that's also coming from someone who has experience in the culture. Sure. So I totally get the fascination with it. I just hate it. Yeah. And were they actually heckling you? <laughs> yeah, uh, they were. They were like, that happened to me. Uh, and I was like, what did you say? Hold on. The deputy <laughs> were like, and everyone laughed. And I was able to like actually that's talk cool. to them like they were like, obviously equals in right. the experience. So that's, I think, always the goal. That's very cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll end it on this one. You like to end uh, on a less funny and more introspective note. What's one thing that people should know about you? Wow. One thing they should know about me. Um, it's like a job interview. I hate going on stage. Okay. Um, I I have anxiety, right? And so whenever someone gives me the opportunity to perform, my first thought is no in my head. No, mm. not happening. My second thought is, of course I'll do it. And I write, <laughs> of course I'll do it. And sometimes I write, of course I'll do it through my teeth. Um, I had the opportunity to perform at Second City in Chicago on stage during oh, nice. their set, and um, and I've had the uh, you know I've I've had really neat opportunities at Tennessee Performing Arts Center, Packed House, um, and um, you know these are just things that 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 I that I've gone and done even though I've been afraid to do them, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't talk about this kind of thing until they've made it because they don't want people to think oh I'm scared I'm not scared right. but I do have a healthy understanding of risk and and I do have anxiety yeah. about it. Um, I get on stage and I'm in good company though, you know, because Gilda Radner, you know, they had to push her on stage no matter how Mm -hmm. famous she got. And I actually, um, I have a mentor, uh, the CEO of second city, uh, Andrew Alexander, who works with her, who worked with her, who said, you're, you know, this anxiety is exactly what Gilda had and you can't let that stop you. And I I knew, and I thought that was interesting. And then, um, you know, Jerry Springer, I'm Jerry Springer, (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld talks a lot about, Yeah vomiting before his sets oh really yeah so i know i'm not alone um um but you know and as soon as i get up there you get that first laugh and and it goes away and it goes away and you feel so good and you feel so good i feel personally great for like the next 20 minutes (laughs) until sort of the doom sets in again that i have to do this again uh so for me it's enjoyable it's my favorite thing in the world i'm more and more comfortable on stage the more i do it yeah but that anxiety is always there and that no is right there on the tip of my tongue every time like no i don't want to do it <laughs> i quit weird. i quit <laughs> I, I think everyone would just imagine like oh you're a performer you, you love yeah stuff. and it's like anything else i yeah. think um 
you, we all were made to do something great. Right. I really believe that. And every day we, we give into that resistance where we say we can't do it. We can't do it. And we got all these excuses and we can't do it. And that's just, I'm just a normal person who is, has a, you know, a gift and I can choose every day whether or not I want to use it or I don't want to use it. Right. And that I'm just like everyone else where I'm like, holy crap, I don't want to do this today, <laughs> but I do it and I'm better for it. And other people are better for it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, LenaCarrera.com. Yeah, go visit my website Facebook.com and, and wait Lena for C on a show to come out. Yeah. Hopefully, we're in development with a couple of different places. So, and are we touring? Uh, we all? we we're not touring at the moment. Okay, uh, but keep posted. Go to my Facebook page because I do I do randomly go out <laughs> to different towns. I was just in Texas last week, um, but yeah, and I perform a lot around LA. But, yes, but yeah, keep keep posted. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you once again to Liana for coming out. I had a really fun time talking with her and getting to know her. I think it was a really fun interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to find more about her, lianacarrera.com is the website. And the spelling on that, L-I-A-N-N-A and Carrera, C-A-R-R-E-R-A. You can get her on Facebook, Liana Carrera, and at Liana C on Twitter. She's always posting updates and different things she's working on. Make sure you look out for Boyish as well as Save the World. And if you guys end up going to check out her stand-up, make sure you let her know you heard her here on the I Want to Know podcast. Anyways, that's all I've got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to check out our website, IWantToKnowShow.com. we got links to everyone we talk to in the guest section. Follow us on the social medias, Facebook, I Want to Know Show, Twitter, at I Want to Know Show, and, of course, Instagram, I Want to Know Show as well. Send an email if you like, IWantToKnowPod at gmail.com. Maybe you got some show ideas or uh, questions for a guest or anything. Let me know. I love them. And keep spreading the good word to all your friends about the show. Anyways, that's all for me. Thanks for listening. And on that note, Good night, everybody.